This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Good morning. Welcome to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton on the Zoom call this morning, and I'm glad I am. <laughs> kind of kind of nut- nasty out there. Um, but with me this morning is Jacqueline Vincent. We've had her on many times. Jacqueline heads up the housing authority for Vermilion County now, correct? Yes. It's, yes. It's not. We, uh, I almost said Dandel Housing Authority. <laughs> no, I can't say that. It's for, for Vermilion County. And we've asked her to come visit today and give us an update on what's happening with public housing. That is always an interesting topic because it is a topic of great interest within our communities. So much effort has gone into um, how we provide housing for those in need. Good morning, Jacqueline. Good to see you. Good morning, Linda. It's good to be with you this morning. Yeah, and we actually, Jacqueline and I just solved all the problems of the world before we came on air. So I'm sorry you missed that conversation. <laughs> we were wonderful. <laughs> we, we had all the answers. We knew everything. So give us an update. Uh, what What's going on in the world of public housing in Vermilion County? Because it's more than Danville now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We are we are very busy uh, right now. I I feel that I've I've been telling my team for a while. You know, it will slow down. We're we're about to slow down, and I think I've been telling them that for about five and a half years now. Do they now know you're lying? <laughs> I know that they don't believe me. <laughs> uh, but we are we are coming to the end of two big projects, which would be on the public housing side, which would be our our demolition projects. One at Fair Oaks in Danville and the other at Ramey Court in Georgetown. And, and so, you know, the point in the process, this process has taken about two years to get to where we are today. There's a lot of behind the scenes background work uh, that's involved in tearing public housing units down. Uh, but we have, we have gotten past the HUD approval, the community approval. We relocated 130 families during a pandemic, uh, which was a challenge of its own. I'm sure it was. Uh, yep, and, and giving those families the time uh, so that they're, you know, moving isn't easy for anyone. No. Um, it is specifically not easy for low-income families. Um, you know, so we really went, I feel, above and beyond with my, my staff helping find homes for the families to relocate to uh, and making those homes suitable for them and their family size and where they would like to be. Um, you know, but we are through that now, and we're actually in the bid process for both projects uh, asking contractors to give us a bid to tear down uh, the units in Danville and in Georgetown. So what's that going to look like? What's that going to do to the landscape? Is that going to completely level all of Fair Oaks? Uh, Will you maintain or will will there be any buildings left or is it just going to be a blank landscape until you do whatever you're going to do? Yeah, so um, Ramey Court, which is in Georgetown, is a bit easier. So Ramey Court, it is 13 buildings, uh, 26 units, they're duplexes, and it's adjacent to another public housing development that we have. And so we are going to demolish the structures, remove the roads and the sidewalks, and we're going to uh, leave it as green space. We'll do some tree planting and add a a parking lot to help support the development that has some parking needs uh, that will still remain in Georgetown. And so that will be green space, trees, and and a small parking lot, probably a playground as well uh, for the families that live at Kennedy Court. In Danville, 
at Fair Oaks, we're taking down 14 buildings uh, that contain 102 units. And we have, first, we have no concrete plans what to do uh, when those units come down. So it's about half the units at Fair Oaks will be demolished. Um, essentially, everything east of Wakeley will come down in this demolition project. What uh, we do with that area, we'll remove the roads and the sidewalks as well, just like we do in Georgetown. Um, and then we'll prepare that area for either green space and a buffer from the, the neighborhood that's further to the east of us, the Moore and Shasta Street areas. Or uh, we will do consider things like a solar installation, um, you know, a playground basketball court for that side of the development, trying to do some more residential amenities. Um, that can kind of bring a sense of home and community back to the downsized and the de-densified uh, Fair Oaks neighborhood that will remain. So, so let's talk about why, why we're doing this. You know, back when I was on the council, that was one of the things that I always um, beat the drum about, um, much to Mayor Jones' <laughs> dismay because I wouldn't shut up. Not, nobody's surprised about that. Um, <laughs> But I always believed that the, the fallacy of public housing was the idea you could take people, shove them into a very dense project area and expect them to be happy and not act out or not to have crime develop. I think that's an insane uh, attempted equation. It just won't, it won't work no matter how you balance it. So what has pre finally precipitated, I know the Housing Authority did a big study, huge study, a few years ago, looking at the housing needs in the city of Dandel. We've had no new housing development really in the city for a very long time. And our needs population has certainly grown. So how, how did you get to this point where it was time to remove some housing, thin things out, reevaluate what you're doing and how you're gonna move forward? Yeah. You know, I think the first thing came to answering a question that was asked to me early when I came to the housing authority. Uh, and that question was, why do we have so much public housing? And, uh, you know, so that came with, well, first answer the question, do we? And my response was, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure how to answer that. I need to look into it. And, and so I did. And we had a high proportion of public housing units. It, at this time, it, I was just considering the city of Danville um, compared to our population. And so I thought, you know, as compared to communities like Bloomington and Champaign and uh, Kankakee and um, what's up in the northwestern part of the state. Anyways, other like sized communities. Uh, we did have a higher. Galesburg usually Gales is. Galesburg, yeah. yes. Thank yeah. you. Uh, we did have a higher proportion of public housing units based on our population. And so I thought about it. And if you think about when public housing was built in Vermilion County, it was built in the 1940s, in the 1950s, and some came through in, you know, as late as the 60s and 70s. At that time, our population was much greater than it is right now. And so, you know, as our, as our non-subsidized, as our population in the community declined, our public housing level never balanced out. And so, you know, that was really, okay, that makes sense now why we have so much, because when we had 50,000 people living in Danville, it could support the, the public housing load. It, it made sense. It was in balance. And now that our population has declined to below 30,000 in, in the city of Danville, it, it does seem skewed. And so we looked at, at that as the basis. 
And then we did a physical needs assessment and said, how is the physical condition of these buildings? And what is the quality of life for the residents who are living there? And that came to, we have some buildings that need to come down because they are physically obsolete and it would cost us more money in capital fund investments than we could afford to put into them to bring them up to current building codes. You know, and so in that, uh, that physical needs assessment gave us the data we needed to perform a total development cost for HUD and prove to them why these buildings were physically obsolete and they needed to come down. Absolutely. We're going to go ahead and go to break, Derek. It's okay with you. We'll come back and we're going to tackle not only what's going on right now, but then what's we're looking at down the road and public housing in general and how the, the needs have changed. We'll do that in just a moment on Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. 1490 WDAN. Welcome back to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton with you on the Zoom call this morning. Talking to Jacqueline Vinson, who is the director of the Vermilion County Housing Authority, uh, as the as the public housing change, the face of public housing changes not just here but everywhere. Everybody's looking at how we provide public housing for those in need. What kind of housing that is? What we have now, as as Jacqueline was explaining, was built back in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh, it was a concept that somebody somewhere thought was a great idea and really never was. Congested, um, very um, dense uh, housing for people. And while you want to provide them homes and shelter, their quality of life matters. Uh, there's, you, you don't get to say there's no dignity in needing to live in public housing. There certainly is. And the idea that we should expect people to be happy to live in such a dense congested area is insane. So to see this change now is wonderful. Um, but it has been a long time coming and, and it's been a change of many, many steps. How challenging, you mentioned one of the first things you had to deal with was finding new housing for the people living in public housing. And you were doing that in the middle of a COVID crisis, a pandemic. So how did you do that? How was that? even possible? Well, you know, it was challenging and, and I have to credit my team uh, in the work that they do and the relationships they have with the landlords in the area um, to be able to rehouse these families. And so first, you know, a lot of the families stayed with us in public housing. Um, what they were able to do uh, was transfer them to other public housing units that we own and operate in the community. Um, and then the ones that wanted to take a tenant protection voucher, a Section 8 voucher and relocate, they really helped connect them to the landlords who have good relationships in the community uh, to make sure that those units are ready to be occupied and inspected by our program. So let's talk for a minute. We always, when we have you on, <laughs> we always... Uh, we always take the opportunity to have a conversation and I'm waiting. I'm filling time because Jackie had to go close her door. So <laughs> I could see that you couldn't see it. <laughs> thank you. Um, Sorry. Thank you. That's okay. <laughs> um, so the world doesn't stop for newsmakers, although I really like to think it does. Um, <laughs> so, so let's take this opportunity to pause for just a moment and talk about section eight, because 
whenever I have a chance to talk to you, I want to acknowledge this whole myth and misinformation about Section 8 and this thing we've got in our minds that Section 8 housing is horrible. People who live there are horrible. Landlords who own Section 8 property are horrible. None of it's true. Um, there have been problems. There are problems with everything. But talk a little bit about the Section 8 program and how valuable that's been in trying to help these folks find housing as you begin to tear down buildings. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one, I'm, I'm very proud of the Housing Authority. So I, I have to start by saying that. I feel that of our two programs, I'm most proud of the Section 8 program and what it does for our community. And, you know, so anyone who lives in Vermilion County and in Danville understands that our housing stock is not one that is rapidly being uh, replenished with new housing. We have an aged housing stock. Um, and, and that in itself brings its own challenges. You know, something that makes the creditworthiness of the Section 8 program in my mind is how much money and how much rental assistance it pumps into the community. And so, you know, and, and also that it has a standard, the housing quality standards, that every single unit on our Section 8 program is annually inspected at least once a year and can be as many times as would be requested by the resident or the neighbor or the landlord itself. Um, you know, but that program is, I feel, stabilizing some of our lower end housing and make and keeping it of the quality so that it's not going on the the tax sale or um, you know being scheduled to be demolished it's it's providing rental subsidy to families who are in need to keep a roof over their head and providing guaranteed rent to our landlords uh, who are are keeping the units decent safe and sanitary and you know I think that's an under um, recognized partnership in this area is the the landlords and i think a lot of time landlords get a bad reputation in here uh you know in in danville and vermilion county um you know but the program wouldn't work without the landlords that we have and and the work that they do to keep their units uh meeting the housing quality standards you know i think we pay three million dollars a year in subsidy into the rental market to private landlords in danville and and you have to think and consider that as you know, as they make decisions to invest in their properties, to put new roofs on, to, to fix windows and things along those lines, that is a substantial amount of rental subsidy. That's not including the other part that the families pay or the non-subsidized market, but is a substantial amount of money coming into our, our local landlord pool every single year to support this program. Well, and, and I think another thing that we, we often overlook is the fact that giving uh, someone a shelter and housing in a in a home in a house um, creates a whole different atmosphere, perhaps, than uh, than living in public housing, multiple dense units, etc. Yeah. So, kind of create, while not home ownership, at least some respect for the value of living in a home and maybe taking care of it. And that always does doesn't always work, but for the most part, it can help people with that. Yeah. Um, so having said that, um, we've kind of decided we probably don't need as much public housing. Have we looked at any kind of a multi-mixed housing to go to that's moderate to low income? Or was that one of the things that's being discussed? Because it kind of seems to be they've done 
had a lot of success with that in Champaign and Springfield. Those are quite impressive when you when you drive through them and see what they've done. Yeah. Uh, has that been something that's been considered or not? Yes. Uh, and, and so I want to kind of circle back to something you said that the concept of, of a concentration of poverty uh, in a development, um, it doesn't make sense. And that that is recognized even by HUD, that type of public housing model, it doesn't work. It's not bringing the families out of poverty. It was never meant to be a multi-generational housing option. Um, and, and that is what it has become. And so, you know, HUD recognizes it. We at the housing authority on the local level, we recognize it. And, and you're right, mixed, moderate to low income housing is uh, what we are looking for, what we're exploring and has been successful and not just like recently successful, like Springfield has been doing this since the 80s. Oh, you know, yeah, we're absolutely. Always, you know, uh, we're always a little bit behind the curve and that's fine. Let up someone else test it out and see the success. But when we now have over 30 years of this is working in communities in Illinois, you know, it's time for us to step up to the plate. And so that's, you know, that's what we're exploring now. A community that we feel that that makes a lot of sense in in Vermilion County is Hoopston, uh, where we have a development uh, called Parkview Court, uh, which yes. is in substandard physical condition, which needs to be improved or rebuilt. And so what we are looking at is, you know, through the tax credit process, uh, which would be how you construct the units, constructing units on the site that we own in, in Hoopston, demolishing the units that we own and constructing them at a, at a less dense matrix. And so that's, you know, that's really what we're going at. We want to build neighborhoods. We want to build opportunities for upward mobility. We want to improve housing conditions. And, and something that I say, you know, is, it, throughout the community and with the community groups is Vermilion County has an impoverished community in general. Our m median household income, I think in the city of Danville is below 35,000, which it is, is. 20,000 yeah. less than the state average. So we have a, a low income population. You don't want a family paying more than 30% of their total household income towards housing. And we see that. We see that on in many occasions where families are paying over 50% of their total monthly income towards rent. You know, and so there's housing instability here because of that. And I think that we really need to be considering how we support those working poor families or those families that might be working multiple jobs or having to make the decision to pay their power bill or pay their rent or buy groceries. We really need to come up with housing mechanisms that can support those families towards, you know, home ownership if that's what they want or towards, you know, having choice of a housing that's of higher quality. And to do that, we have to have housing that's of higher quality. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of a it's a multifaceted approach. I think the city of Danville is ripe and prime for that. I think the village of Tilton, I think the city of Georgetown, I think that there's a lot of areas that need new housing construction, but also need housing rehabilitation for houses that are in good shape, but maybe haven't been updated since, you know, the eighties, uh, which yeah. we see a lot in this market. Again, it's, it's revisioning how we approach public housing and assisting folks to help them have good housing and quality of life at the same time. We'll be back in just a moment to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. 1490 WDAN. Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton with you this morning on the Zoom call. 
talking to Jacqueline Benson, who is head of the Vermilion County Housing Authority, getting kind of an update on all the changes that are happening with public housing. Uh, it's going to be strange to drive down Fairchild Street and, and see a, an open landscape there or a semi-open landscape. Um, so let's talk about the future. You know, you, you were talking before we went to break about that, uh, looking at all of our communities in Vermilion County that all have a need for public housing in some form or another, but not the way we've always seen it. It's looking forward. It's like everything right now, in my opinion, and I think maybe it's coming out of COVID, I don't know, but you look at things differently now, or I hope you do, in terms of what's what's the norm and what's the new norm. And, and how you're doing things right now, is that how you're gonna do them in the future? And how can we better help people? And I know you're, you're well focused on that, Jackie, and I appreciate that fact. It's gotta be challenging. How do you see public health, public health, excuse me, how do you see public housing uh, continuing to evolve as we go forward? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, I think the big thing is to know that we will never build new public housing in Vermilion County. Um, and so the question then comes back to how do we take best care of the public housing stock that remains? And, and uh, that really comes into capital upgrades. Uh, you know, what we're looking at doing and what we've been doing in, in the last five years is really prioritizing keeping the structural integrity of the buildings that we have, fixing roofs, replacing roofs. Almost all the roofs in the county have been replaced at this point. Um, everything that needed to be replaced, gutters and upgrades to things like that. What we find ourselves looking at is now how do we continue that to make public housing look to the community and to the residents who live there, how we want it to look. And so what we have coming up in this next capital fund cycle are uh, reciting the units that remain in the county ex ex except for Parkview Court and Hoopston, uh, but updating the siding on those units, updating windows, um, doing modern amenity upgrades, especially at uh, Fair Oaks and Beeler Terrace. Um, we want to reface. We want to make the units here uh, be what we want them to be for our residents who live in them, have central air. That's something that they do not have presently. Um, have windows that are open and closable, you know, not by propping them up with your air conditioning unit or something like that, but like that don't look so dark and daunting a little more personal space. So we're really looking to kind of change how our public housing units look um, for the betterment of our community and for the betterment of the, the people who live in them. And, you know, and we, only, we only have a couple minutes left, but real quick, I, I do wanna acknowledge and uh, applaud all the efforts between the Housing Authority and the Danville Police Department and uh, Sheriff's Department uh, outside of Danville in terms of this whole concept of crime rampant within public housing. You don't hear so much of that anymore. And that's because a whole lot of people have worked really hard. Just two minutes real quick. Can you summarize how that's working? Yeah. And, and so you're absolutely right. We don't hear it. It's a, it's a, it's a great problem to have. It's not a problem at all. Uh, you know, our board made the first commitment, which was the investment in a, a high tech security system. And we have replicated that security system upgrades and other properties. Uh, but through the use of cameras, our partnership with local law enforcement, the city of Danville, the city of Hoopston, the city of Georgetown, the sheriff's department, you know, having open dialogue and knowing really what our expectations are and their expectations are and what they're able to do. 
But then also, you know, really it comes down to how the properties are managed. And yeah. I can't give enough credit to my public housing property managers and the relationships they've been able to build with the residents who live with us, I feel is the number one deterrent to criminal activity. One, holding people accountable for their actions and the actions of their guests or neighbors or friends or family, anyone coming to visit. Um holding people accountable and managing the property the way it needs to be managed. I agree with you. I think that's, that is, if anything major has really occurred and at the same time flown under the radar, so nobody's paying any attention to it, it really is that. It's attitude, what, what the expectations are, and that the violence will not be tolerated. And, you know, you set the standards and then you enforce it. And you're still going to have problems from time to time because we're human beings and we're really stupid. Um, so that's going to happen, but it doesn't have to be the way it was. And that's one of the main myths and misunderstandings about public health. Uh, I got to quit doing that. Public <laughs> housing and Section 8 housing. Those are the, the myths and misunderstandings that make people not like it. It's just providing housing for people in need and yeah. hopefully changing lives. Yeah. And you're right. It is a, it is a plethora of misunderstanding, and yeah. and you know it's the same until you get into this and you understand what we're working with and what we're working towards and who we work to serve. You know, you have to be aligned with the mission. Um, but I feel that we have that here, and and I can't. I uh, time and time again, I've got the best staff in Vermilion County. They know what they're doing. They feel what we're doing here. They know the importance to the people who live here and to the community that we serve throughout Vermillion County. Jackie, I salute your passion. We're so lucky to have you in that position. Thank, Thank you, you for what you and your team do every day. We will talk to you again soon. Sounds Join good. us tomorrow. We'll be back on Zoom again and talking to uh, Melissa Wilhelm from Salvation Army, getting an update on, uh, on what's going on with them. So join us tomorrow for Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. I'm Linda Bolton. Danville's Talk Station, 1490 WDAN Danville, W284DD Danville, and online at vermilioncountyfirst.com. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.